0: Hello friends and welcome to this month's book club episode where we are going to be discussing Just Like Home. I am here with my amazing co-host CJ. How you doing CJ?
1: I am good. And just in case anybody's wondering, this is Dark Side of the Word, by the way.
0: Yeah, I know. I totally fucked up this whole thing. I didn't even <laughs> say my name. I'm Kate. This is Dark Side of the Word. The other voice in your ear is CJ.
1: Hello everybody.
0: You would think the third time trying to start this podcast, I would get it right, but clearly I, do. I can't.
1: Nope, nope, because we do this. Well, it's it's afternoon where you are. It's evening where I am. I have put in a whole day's worth of work already, so that's my excuse for why I'm a little, like, frazzled by the time we do this. I don't know what your excuse is.
0: I know. Well, I had a drum <laughs> lesson today. Oh. And, yeah, we'll just, I guess, leave it at that. That's but okay. this You know we're
1: pop- planning, so that's why.
0: This is probably why we blah, blah, blah through the episode. And people just need to understand that. Yes, exactly. I was also going to say something else, but totally blanked it. And that is how we do it, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Yeah. But I'm really excited. As you know, with our new format, we have we are just going to be talking about this month's book, which, again, was Just Like Home by Sarah Gailey. There will be all the flipping spoilers yeah. in this podcast. So if you haven't read it and you don't want the spoilers... Click away now, read the book, come back. Maybe check out one of our other book club posts. We have a litany of books now.
1: Yes. But, so,
0: I know, I'm sorry. I took a sip of my tea. It was bad timing. I assumed CJ was just going to say something else.
1: (laughs) I know, I assumed that too, and then I I just froze like a deer in headlights, and then all of a sudden there was just this silence, and I'm like, oh, crap. Here it is. Here we are.
0: Well, my silence is because I forgot the joke I was going to make, and now I just remembered it, which is don't complain too much
1: about my intros, because the only other person that's (laughs) going to have to do it is you. That's true, and I definitely don't want to do that. So your intros are beautiful and captivating, no matter what happens.
0: And because I just want to redeem myself, I'm going to say hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dark Side of the Word.
1: Thank you. Now (laughs) I feel complete as a person. Okay, we can continue with the podcast now.
0: Okay, so it's time to talk about Just Like Home. Uh, I have a weird story to tell first.
1: Ooh,
0: okay. I ended up getting this book at a used bookstore, which was kind of cool because it came with a signed book plate. And as I was reading this horror book, let's remember, I was flipping through and at random, very weird pages, I would find these post-it notes that say, once upon a book club, And it's not a blank post-it because in the main area it says, open your gift. And I was like, I found one. I found the first one. I was like, "Okay, maybe this was a bookmark. Easy peasy. Yeah. Yeah. Then I read some more, and I'd find another one. And I would read some more, and I would find another one. And it wasn't Hmm. like they were directly pointing at anything specific. But they were (laughs) like under certain lines, but not at the start of a sentence, or something that would indicate they wanted to know the sentence. Remember, like think about in the future. And then, as I am two thirds of the way through the book, the notes
1: okay. escalate. <laughs> oh my God, that looks so creepy. People, she's just holding a scrap of paper with like childish scrawl on it.
0: Oh, it's not that childish, it's
1: actually pretty. Oh, okay.
0: Okay, so it says, Oh God. Wonder if she watches, wonder if she loves me the way I love her.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Okay, so in reading this book, I don't know what the fuck that means. So, yeah, as I'm reading this at night, and this book is very bed-heavy, and I don't, like, I draw a line at anything that happens around people's beds, like the whole blanket getting pulled off the bed, all that bullshit. Uh, Like, it happened in Haunting of Hill House with the arm over that's, like, I still... Invades your safe
1: space. Yes.
0: I don't like bed stuff, okay? Anything with the blanket getting pulled off, I I, I don't do it. Mm -hmm. Well, then I continue reading the book, though, and realize... Oh, hold on, rewind. My, I tell my husband about all this stuff, okay. okay? And he is like, "What page did you find out? What lines were underlined? He's pulling up the, that yeah. Freemason number code <laughs> thing that's like, he is like, legit, like, what is this? What's going on? Tell me <laughs> the name, What page? what was underlined? Like, let's put this all together. I and then I continue reading the book and realize, this sheet of paper is a fucking quote from the book.
1: Sounded a little familiar. Well,
0: he was confused because he thought I had gotten this book from the author, because I get oh. books. Sometimes. So he's like, "What's the author trying it's to like tell I you?" A
1: message: We have to free her from the castle or something.
0: And then I. When I went back to him and told him that it's a quote from the book and that my original idea this is probably a bookstore grammar book and they used it as photo props and they wanted mm-hmm. to remember the stuff and he finally was like, "Oh yeah, you bought this at the used bookstore, didn't you?" Never mind, this is boring.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's hilarious. That's a lot of that's a lot of fun build up to something completely innocuous. But I love it. I know it
0: was kind of like a game in this book, and I specifically did not tell you about this till here because you I wanted. Not, I
1: did not. I was very excited to hear this story i time.
0: wanted your honest reaction because i always have thought about doing that in a book that i sell to a used bookstore it's leaving really? hidden messages and being creepy and someone did it to me first
1: hmm. i've left i've left cards for my blog like business cards for my blog in library books
0: and some that's other such books a I've good
1: donated.
0: holy crap that's such a good idea
1: i got 500 of them i gotta move them somehow
0: oh i need to do this that's such a that. good idea you
1: should do it. Um, it's so oh, sweet. My local library knows I'm a blogger, and they put some business cards out in, like, their little, like, see a business and support it, like, table and stuff. So I always see my stuff there. And it's so sweet. But I also put ones in books sometimes, too, because you never know. You
0: never I know. never even thought about, like, your local business library bulletin board thing. That's such a good idea. Yeah. And with my Halloween stack, I should, like, go. put that in there.
1: Yeah, definitely. I also like to leave them in bookstores sometimes and libraries, like just on the shelf mm-hmm. and just like run away and so no one sees me. So I was going to put That's... some on my manicurists the other day because there's like a little table where like you sit and you dry your nails and they have a bunch of business cards for realtors. I'm like, I wonder if anybody would like yell at me if I just snuck one about books in there. Maybe next time. Maybe next time.
0: Be brave, CJ. Be brave. I will do it. I will do it. All right, now that we've told everyone the spooky story of the book long enough, we will start with our very <laughs> traditional rating of the book uh, just so that we have a starting off point. And if I, I didn't scare you all enough, there will be spoilers. So, like, turn away now. This is your last call. <laughs> so we'll start with you, CJ, even though I know what it is.
1: I gave this book 3.5 stars. You probably saw that it was 4 on Goodreads, because, again, I cannot give half stars on Goodreads, but it is 3.5 stars. What about you?
0: Okay. okay. I, I didn't... But you still gave it to the high end of 3.5. You didn't give it to the exactly. low end. So we'll just take that into account. <sighs> I guess if I had to rate it, it would be
1: a 1.5! 1.5! Oh, bitch, we going to throw down. Okay. Okay. Let's go. Cracking the fingers, cracking the neck. Let's go. You're going to go down. I promise.
0: (laughs) And let's see. So this will make a four yays for CJ and a three nays for Kate.
1: Okay, I think I think you have to go first with this one because if you are giving at 1.5, you are going to have a lot to talk about. That's way more interesting than what I'm going to talk about, so.
0: First off, I am hardcore judging you on your enjoyment of
1: What? What? Ugh.
0: You know what? It's finally time. You have what me about my five-star and four-star ratings of certain books we have read. So That's true.
1: I can take it. I can take it. I'm a big girl.
0: Okay. First off, I will give a small caveat to this rating. I think this book might've come at the wrong time for me because I just read The Fourth Monkey and another book, and it was very much about people being locked in basements and being killed by people. So I'm just kind of over this whole, let's let's have a killer who locks people in the base. And I guess I'm just like kind of burnt out on that part of Mm. the death. I see you. And so not that it wasn't extremely obvious. Okay, so we'll start with my first complaint. We okay. spent 200-something fucking pages to come to the obvious conclusion that her, da- her dad is putting people in the basement. And fine, we didn't know if it was actual death or just torture or what was going on. But like, we had to build up all this suspense and tension because we can't just say it at the beginning, even though that's not the point of the book. And we built up all this suspense. So why did she leave? Why did her dad go? To- only to come to the very obvious conclusion that we all knew from probably page five
1: that her dad is a serial killer? Yes. Yes. I mean, I kind of went in knowing that that was it. So, I do I I was hoping as well. At one point I was really thinking that maybe Vera, I don't know if it's Vera or Vera. I don't know how you say her name. I'm going to go with Vera cuz that's what I've been saying in my head. That's so, what I'm
0: saying in my head, so okay. I I say okay to that.
1: All right. So we hereby declare it to be Vera. So I was wondering if Vera was somehow the main killer, even though she was like 10 or something, um, and that her dad was maybe covering up for her. But then, obviously, we found out that her dad is definitely a serial killer. And at one point, I was just really hoping that it was just raccoons in the basement. And then she went down to the basement, and she saw that man down there, and then I couldn't think that anymore. And that was just... It was sad. It was a sad moment. But I I figured that her dad was going to be the serial killer. Like, that was the premise of the book. So... I wasn't surprised to, you know, I wasn't expecting a surprise finding that out. But I actually did think that the author was really good with pacing. I liked how the story built very slowly and steadily. And I was watching the whole thing unfold and how we got there. And I really liked that she took her time. And I feel like it really built up a good sense of dread. So by the time even I found it out, even though I knew what the answer was going to be, just having it confirmed made me nauseous. So I like that.
0: First off, the discovery that the person in the basement that she saw the man was not the first time that that is revealed to her. She had already been watching her dad for a very long time through the people. So yeah. to me, the whole like, we're actually finally going to see what's down the basement was completely destroyed by the commentary of her watching her whole dad the whole time through the people. So that didn't work for me. Mm. And. If your main plot point to like suck readers in to make them keep reading because of the suspense and the unknown, the questions, the you know the way to hook your reader is so obvious. It was a letdown. I had no building of suspense in the whole book. I was just like, blah 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 blah. blah. Okay, like maybe <laughs> the first two chapters because like you can have the guess, but it wasn't super obvious. Uh, like the moment she had in the hardware store that was good but then it was just blah blah, blah. let me just get to the obvious blah, blah 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 and all the back and forth like back and forth of her being 13 years old too and that whole build up mm-hmm. I'm over adolescent stories I am over <laughs> hearing an adolescent in their head think that they're an adult and that like I just over it for the four monkey killer probably destroyed that part because I am just over it
1: I hear you. That's how I was with Sally Diamond the other month because I had just read too many stories like it. And I was like, I'm just, I'm just done with this whole, this whole cliche. So I hear you. It's exhausting to read the same thing over and over again.
0: So that was my biggest complaint. Okay. And then we get to the end.
1: I had problems with the end.
0: Well, then I'm going to skip the end because that's going to be it. We're going to go to a different problem then. Okay. I just remembered it. My other problem was is hard for me to say because she's very reminiscent to a certain writer we all know Mm -hmm. me but in this story I think she was trying too fucking hard (laughs) yes and her writing style was bullshit
1: on what grounds are we making this statement
0: (laughs) she was trying too hard it felt that we're going to write a horror book, but we're going to write a literary fiction horror book, and we're going to try to make it this highbrow, I know what I'm talking about, philosophical mumbo-jumbo about the darkness and the house and myself, and we're going to do the entire book almost as an internal monologue to this whole thing with barely any dial, actual dialogue or interaction with human beings because it's just her alone and the whole house, so it is just a psychological mumbo-jumbo book. Yeah,
1: that was one of the things that I so the things that made it be not a four star for me were the ending and the fact that I feel like I had various unanswered questions and that's what kind of dragged down the rating for me. And one of it, one of them was the, you know, the ending, how, There's a lot of, like, dark, intense stuff happening and, like, really interesting themes about nature versus nurture and, like, the dichotomy of serial killers and narcissistic parents. And I loved all that stuff. I thought it was really great. And then at the end, she throws, like, a monster in there and makes, like, this weird haunted house monster story that, for me, did seem to come out of nowhere. I didn't like that. That actually made it fall in the ratings for me. But it also led to some questions um about like is it actually really haunted is there actually a monster or is this all going on in Vera's head and she has like multiple personalities or she's making it all up and it's all a great big metaphor so that was kind of the only reason I was like okay-ish with it but overall it did irk me that they went to the the supernatural haunted house trope at the end of such what I thought was a much more riveting story about family dynamics and darkness
0: and light within oneself. I I did not get to the psychosis thought of the monster. I think the monster was real because it never came across psychosis. Honestly, it's like, I want to write a scary book because I want to get sold and I can't just do my psychological book. I have to throw a twist at the end. So let me just add in this monster with barely any pre- Mm -hmm. pre-thought to it I mean I know that there were these little things like oh I can't hear my parents fighting for some reason my dad built the walls way too thick for me but sometimes I don't know why I would hear other conversations
1: I was wondering if there, if the house like when she meets this monster that's inhabiting her mother's body and wearing her mother like a saggy like leather purse and when she meets it if she's embracing her true dark nature to hunt and kill like it's just all a big metaphor it's this house and it's monster all just a big metaphor for her to be okay with herself and her darkness so i didn't necessarily see it as a real monster i did it first when we first met it but then as we went on I just kind of was wondering that a lot and even though i think james the artist who's staying with them you know even though he reacts to seeing the monster i feel like it could have all been in daphne's head since we're seeing not daphne through vera's head because we're seeing a lot of things through her eyes so maybe he just we saw him react to it because she sees him in her head react to it and maybe there is no monster so
0: is she blanking out certain things that the monster is doing, a.k.a. putting the towel on her friend's stomach when she ran to get her dad? Like, did she blink that and she had actually done it because the, and she just had a moment of.
1: So she does this thing a lot where she snaps her fingers and a lot of odd stuff either happens or stops happening. And I was wondering if there's some kind of like multiple personality disorder there. And the snapping of the fingers is what triggers it. I could be reading way too much into things and I did not take psychology so I don't know how multiple personalities work but it kept running through my mind with that that snapping kept drawing my attention so I don't know what that was supposed to be.
0: Hmm. I will side tangent for a second the minute the monster appeared and we saw him and or her and we got the description mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen Princess Mononoke, but when the, the there's it's it's a anime movie by Howie Mizaki who did Spirited it Away. It's the same guy oh, okay. who did Spirited Away on. So there's a forest mon- uh, forest god. And at the end of the movie, they behead him for whatever reasons. But when he gets beheaded, his like skin falls off. And he oh. becomes this gelatinous monster that yeah. is literally just like an oozy monster that was described very similar to the book. And so... I wasn't scared at all because all I'm thinking about <laughs> is Princess Anuki and that, that god glob. And <laughs> I was kind of laughing at that
1: point. <laughs> yeah, I didn't find that scary. You know, all. Nothing you know, about you're... this book was scary. I I found earlier parts of it scary. Well, see, this is the type of scary story that truly terrifies me. I'll read about hauntings. I'll read about demonic possessions. I'll read about, like, skinwalkers and all this stuff. But what really terrifies me is just humanity and how depraved it can get. So serial killer stories, I don't read a lot of them because they terrify me so much. So that's probably why I like this one more, because I don't read a lot of them. I'm not tired of the genre yet. And it was it was freaking terrifying the way he would like bring people into the basement and torture them and then kill him and his daughter would watch like that is horrific to me as far as like dark goes this is some sick shit going on here way for me way darker than some other stuff we have read that's why i suggested it for the podcast because i'm like oh my god as i was reading this i was like we have to do this this is dark as hell and then you're like meh meh (laughs) okay
0: this is why i also love that we're co-hosts And I think our listeners will love this because there are definitely two types of dark scary readers in this world Mm -hmm. There are the ones that get scared about the real life shit like serial killers and kidnappings and all that stuff and there are those of us like me who are fucking scared of the spooky shit and like all the serial killer stuff is blasé and boring and I'm just like (laughs) whatever it doesn't scare me at all like the scariest thing that ever fucked me over the child was it and even saying that (sighs) deep breath okay let's just say Let's just say to the point, well, I saw the 90s miniseries.
1: I did, too. It was
0: stupid. Okay. So let's just say I was scared to the point that as a adult, in very much into my adult years, I said, I'm going to overcome my fear and watch the trailer to the new movie. <laughs> I made it to where the clown first appears, and I scream and throw my phone across the room and start <laughs> sobbing my eyes out. Like, I'm not kidding. I had a visceral reaction to that oh, moment. God. This is oh how scarred I am. But the thing that scared me in that movie was when the child has the blood in the sink. I don't know if it's in the new movie, but in the miniseries, mm-hmm. there's this moment when blood is going all over the sink and she, in the child season, is screaming and her abusive dad runs in and is like, why the fuck are you screaming? What are yeah. you doing? And she's like, don't you see it? And he's like, what? See what? And he's like, putting his hands on the sink and it's all in yeah. the blood. He cannot see it. And then he like abuses her for like causing this commotion, but there it is, this blood blood. I'm side tangenting, but that's the <laughs> shit that gets me. Like, in Haunting of Hill House, when the little girl is laying in her bed and she thinks her sister comes into the room and wraps her arm around her and then she turns around to talk to her sister and there's no one there. That's the shit that makes me throw things and scream and curl my toes. <laughs> this, reading about a guy cutting a guy open at the bottom of his basement is just another oh, day. Oh
1: God, it's so hard. <laughs> It's so horrific, dude. Whenever Vera would be like, my dad's going to work in the basement. Like, he's doing his taxes or building model ships down there or something. She's just so blasé about it. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you, kid? Like, which, which brings me to Vera as a character in general. We can get to that in a second. But, like... That that shit just bothered me the whole working the whole torture. I don't I hate torture things. I do not like it like when she when Vera brought her friend Brandon down to the basement to quote work on him. I skipped a few pages because I honestly could not read it without almost throwing up and I'm like, you know what, I I have an idea of what happens. I'm not gonna like it. I'm just gonna move ahead until someone finds them and drags them up the stairs. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my hard line for me. That
0: part had no stakes for me because I knew Brandon was fine. And nothing could really happen to him because every time we see him in... Except if we're going on the psychological path... Except maybe emotional Brandon trauma! No, Brandon is dead and it's in her head. Because she saw him one second on the street and she looked back and he wasn't there. And she only yeah. ever sees him at the weirdest moments in her driveway, but not yeah. in, like, obvious I'm walking home
1: moments. That brings me to one of my unanswered questions. So, the artist who's in the house with her, is his name James Duval, as well? I know the dad was a Duval, but I forget who the son's name is.
0: Yeah, I believe it is
1: James. It I will try to flip while you continue. Okay. So, I'm not quite sure what purpose James served. Like, why was he there, and could the story have been just fine without him in there? because you now they
0: call him Duval in the book, right? Like he's not actually they don't go by his first name. they call him Duval
1: is that his dad or the or the artist
0: the artist because it's oh, it is James Duval, but yes, yeah, so they call him Duval in the book because all of his uh dialogue is duval reply Duval said, but yes, yeah, so it is James Duval,
1: okay. So I am not sure what he really brings to the story, and what you just said about Brandon, is he a fictional character in Vera's life? Like, is he dead, and she's just imagining this? Maybe James is just another figment of her imagination somehow.
0: But James had to be there because she had to have someone turn her into a serial killer. What do you mean? Duval is the person that triggers the darkness in her.
1: Is he? I thought yes, it's just there, like all the time.
0: Well, it was. It was this thing that she couldn't feed. But in hurting Duval and going mm. through that process, she oh, finally awakened the right. beast and realized mm. she is her father, and she's okay. fine with it.
1: Okay. Then she probably really did kill him. Okay.
0: Now let's just talk about the weird thought. How is she fucking gonna turn that her mother's body in when there's
1: nothing? <laughs> So other, so other unanswered questions for me were the, Duval's dad, the, the journalist, who, like, wrote the book that destroyed, you know, Daphne and Vera's life. Like, what, what was in that book? I feel like it's alluded to a billion times that he wrote a book. He wrote a book. It was horrible. But, like, what did he write about? Did he just write the truth? Did he spin all these stories about them? I feel like that's never really revealed. And for some reason, that bothered me. It just really bothered me to not find out more details about what was in the book.
0: My impression is is that it only ruined Vera's life because her mother held high regard for the author and that's why she let her son come back in. And I want to say that the reason it ruined Vera's life is because whether or not he told the truth or spun stories,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the reality of who her dad was, that he that he was a killer and not just fixing things was what Vera had to deal with. The fact that it not only told the truth about her father, but brought more notoriety to the family so that she could never walk away from who her father was in the real world.
1: I thought Daphne was just, like, using, you know, the whole story, my husband's a serial killer thing, just to make money. Like, she was just capitalizing it. And James, the artist, was just another means to an end. He was just a financial gain somehow.
0: It is weird, the obsession with that house from the outside world, the plexiglass, everything, the obsession, <sighs> yeah. then paying the money. I mean, I would never pay money. I've been in a serial killer room. Are I would really? not have paid. Yeah, I almost rented the apartment that the Gainesville serial killer killed two people in. No. By accident, by accident. No. They <gasps> disclosed it and I walked it. But, okay, so this apartment was bright white stunningly bright like I'm talking like you never would have thought but I walked in there with my partner and we looked around and we were like something feels off in here and as we're done looking the realtor had to like tell us disclose it reveal it and I was like yeah (laughs) so yes I have been where a serial killer has done shit. I would never pay to go see that.
1: My skin is actually crawling right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I look at diedinhouse.com. I don't subscribe to the website because I'm not moving, but I didn't, and I didn't subscribe to it when I was moving because I didn't know about it then, but I found out about it afterward. And I follow them on Facebook because it's it's helpful to know who died in your house for whatever reason, especially if serial killings happen there because holy crap, that is terrifying. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get that whole fascination with, you know, touching where a serial killer was and where he hid bodies and stuff like that. Speaking of which, did he hide the bodies in the shed? Because everybody talks about the shed, and the, the artist is staying in the shed. But why is everybody so creeped out by it? I feel like that wasn't gone into. I'm assuming it's where he hid or buried bodies, but it's never outwardly said. And, like, what did he do with the bodies before? Wait, people
0: were creeped out by the shed? Did I yeah, miss the something? shed
1: kept coming up.
0: Because where they stayed when they did the artists, like or whatever, when the people stayed to do their studies of the house, they
1: stayed in yeah, the shed. Yeah, they would always go into the shed. So what's with the shed?
0: The basement's where all the creepy
1: shit happened. I mean, they go in there, too, and talk about it, but they keep harping on the shed a lot. I
0: didn't get anything. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm sorry! Because she goes back there to confront him, and like, I forget now if she was, like, upset by it but she saw that it was redone or whatever. I just got a feeling that bad things happened there. Because it was brought up a few times, and just they never really found out what happened there. And, like, how many people did Francis actually kill? How many people? Yeah, was we're not it? told anything.
0: We didn't, we we're told anything the, about it. These her are the dad.
1: questions that need answering. How many people did this guy off, you know? En- enough that the police noticed. <laughs> <laughs> and where did he hide the bodies? Where were they? Were they all buried under the shed? I, I don't know. I it's just... not about him, it's about her, so. I know, but I feel like that would have been in the book that Duval wrote and I wish I hadn't read it because I want to know. I really feel that that guy's book would have answered a lot of my questions.
0: Well, it's interesting that the only reason that he was caught was because of his daughter and he made the right choice to save the little boy.
1: Yes. Yes, which was very interesting. So one of the things I liked about this book was the dichotomy of Francis the serial killer. And it's kind of similar to what we read last month, was it, with Strange Sally Diamond, with like how the the guys keeping the girls, you know, they were good dads in a way, but they were also horrible people. And with Francis, he was a good dad who was beloved by his daughter, but he was a horrible, awful person. And But you know why
0: he's a horrible, awful person, right? Because he's
1: mentally ill.
0: Obviously. No, no, I mean yes, but no. <laughs>
1: what?
0: Okay, his wife is the horribly awful person.
1: I mean, I that was gonna be my next point that she is the true villain of this story. So I agree, she, but it is
0: revealed she turns him into a killer because to save his daughter, to save himself from the ooze that his wife claims in him that she's because she was very aware that he was doing this the whole time was to take care of the other horrible men in the world
1: yeah it just it's so weird how like francis is like okay i can do this stuff to grow men it's like a hero factor he's saving the population from them or saving them from themselves or something but he won't do it to kids even if like the kid is showing the same tendencies so far as to he's willing to turn himself in rather than kill Brandon and save himself. So, like, there's a, moral, there's a moral compass there of some kind, but it just gets so diluted in everything else. And it's just so bonkers how she made that character have both sides. And I really, I felt bad for him in a way, as, as bad as one can feel for a serial killer. But, you know, with, with Daphne, I had no sympathy. She's just an awful, awful person. She's evil.
0: I mean, this is an interesting take in the sense that over and over it's repeated that he built that house. So he built that house in a way that he could
1: kill people in it. Yeah. 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 He—he, yeah. he, I mean, he's a bad dude. He's a bad dude. But I feel like he has a misguided hero complex, and he's clearly very mentally ill. You know, he and he knows he has badness in it. He kind of, like, you know, refers to it sometimes. Like, he knows there's something wrong with him. He doesn't want his daughter to turn like that. Well... He kind of doesn't want his daughter to turn out like that, but then he puts a peephole in her bedroom, so that's a little bit on the fence.
0: But Oh, well, hold on. No, 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 no. The peephole is an, a- is an accident. It's his office first. He was supposed to use the peephole, and then oh, he was forced right. to switch bedrooms with his daughter because she wanted to sleep with the window open, and his wife, Daphne, refused it, so they had mm. to switch rooms. And he, I guess what Vera says, or what we're all hoping for, is that she would never find it.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Which, why didn't he just, like, make a piece of wood he could just stop it with so it blended in i I don't
1: like patch it up or something exactly i don't know i don't know so it's a little it's a little ambiguous there but like with with daphne she's i feel like she's just as crazy as francis but she's more evil because like you said she knows what her husband is up to she knows it's wrong and then she just continues to look the other way and then she like emotionally abuses her daughter because she's jealous of her and like you know Blames her for everything that happened even though her father if he hadn't been killing and torturing people in the basement they would have had a problem in the first place i i hated the mother i hated her i'm so if if the monster was real i am so glad he like ate her out from the inside and took her body on like a purse because she was just a bitch it's interesting in the sense that the abusive relationship Cause we always
0: see the man being the one mm. that's the abuser that's like the common thing and i gu- and it is more common in society to have the male or i don't know how to say this in a politically correct way the man of the relationship abusing the female <laughs> relationship it's, yeah. it's not as common for it to be flipped and in this case it very much was flipped and yeah. if we had a prequel to this maybe we could see how much was he how much of a killer was he when he met his wife versus what he was led to become, clearly he had it in him, but what he was led to Mm. become with his wife's input into the situation.
1: Yeah. And I feel like that's echoed with Vera because between her mom and her dad, she had a really fucked up life. And I think it's a really interesting case of nature versus nurture. You know, we see her early on that she has killer tendencies, even before she's aware of what her dad's doing in the basement. You know, she had these, like times where she enjoyed having power over people or over creatures. And even as adults, she still kinda leans that way. Like when she sees Duval in the hardware store, she's kinda checking him out, but she's checking him out in the way I think a serial killer would, where she's like, look at his taut flesh. I'm like, who says that? Like taut white flesh, serial killers say that as they think about slicing open the taut white flesh. So that like was freaky. But if she had never seen what her dad did, would those impulses have been easily suppressed or even disappeared altogether? Because I feel by the time Vera drags Brian into the basement, she's just, she's just warped by her father's words and actions and the abuse from her mother. There's just no help for her, which is very sad because maybe if that weren't her family, she could have been a different person.
0: Okay, so the question becomes, When did, was she watching her dad already when they went fishing? Like, had she already been watching him? I think so, right? Because the timeline, she would have already been watching him. Because we really see the serial killer tendencies at the fishing trip with the yes worm and the fish and the yeah. way that she watched it in the way, watch she enjoyed watching them struggle yes in all yes. of that,
1: yeah disturbing, but I think that
0: she was already watching her dad. See, so that's the other part. There's a lot of ambiguity in this book that isn't mm. clearly spelled out, and it it's that's one of the reasons I also really struggle with it because there's not a hard clear we're gonna have an answer at this moment because we again we play with that idea of she didn't know what was happening in the basement until she went down but then also she's been watching him through the people the whole time and you just sit there staring at it going you're writing a contradiction with no clear evidence of which one is happening and I just I'm not entirely okay with that
1: so with her you know looking so I feel like you know the story was told through Vera's eyes like a recollection of what you know she went through And with her looking into the basement, like, we see, like, glimpses of what she's seeing. And I feel like we're just kind of holding out hope that that isn't it. So somehow she's misconstruing it. Maybe he's doing, like, hard manual labor down there or something. And it isn't until she gets into the basement that she confirms that, like, yes, my dad is a monster. My dad is doing this stuff. And, like, it's just, because when you're, like, 10 years old or however old she is, like, you just don't, you don't think of your parent like that, you know? You're, You're just not cognizant of it yet. So I feel like that was where we were kind of being led to, like, feeling that childhood innocence and then having it all just be blown up when we find out, oh, no, this this is happening. He's a killer. Okay.
0: Question. I'm going to hmm. throw a curveball, just randomly, like, take this out to the left field.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> is, is it about really- the
0: book? <laughs> yes. Is this really told from her perspective and about her? Because it wasn't third person. Hmm.
1: I feel like we see her father through her eyes a lot.
0: I agree, but I was just just, uh, wanted
1: because (laughs) when you're saying all the
0: things. Yeah, when you're saying it's all her story and her perspective, it's like yeah, there was one third person, and it's all Vera did this, Vera did that. Vera was 13 years old. That that is the one place where I do put a pause on it because of the way that she did the timeline, the past stories. It all all of them always be in it. Vera was this age. And I just, I think that's very interesting because that would be from a perspective of someone else telling the story.
1: True.
0: Maybe that's the book you were looking for.
1: Maybe.
0: Maybe Maybe that's the Vol's story. Oh. Oh.
1: Oh, oh, man. Oh. Oh, I like that. We might have gone up to four stars. Oh, damn it. I'm supposed to be bringing
0: you down to my level. Okay, another side story. So I ended up telling my husband about this book because I always okay. do that, especially when books piss me off. I give them, like, a really quick synopsis of all this. Yeah, same. <laughs> and so the monster is clearly made from them. It is made from their hair, their dirt, their skin cells, their blood, pieces of her mom. <laughs> this is okay, taking me back. it. Stop. <laughs> this just took me back to the reminiscing of when I had the norovirus back in February and the amount of disgustingness we threw up into the drains and how since February the whole family has joked that we there is a monster now living in the pipes from us like, the norovirus and I just kind of sat here and I was like did this bitch steal my story <laughs> because I'm sitting here like I literally said that there's now a monster of Glob living in my in-laws' house <laughs>
1: from the yeah. Norma. Oh, I was God. That part. That part was so gross. I knew something was weird when her mother was coughing up, like, black and gray stuff. I'm like, it was gray. Because if you have blood in your lungs, you can cough up stuff that's black. But, like, gray, like, sootish color? No one's coughing up that shit. Like, what is
0: it They did have black at that one thing when she like pretty much upchucked like a whole organ
1: Ugh. Ugh. there was a part where they g- t- talking about like the gray stuff black drum I mean, gray jewel that was it the gray jewel mm-hmm. I'm like who has gray jewel unless they swallowed like a buttload of charcoal like that's weird not normal sickness
0: i will say the grossest and most disturbing part of the book for me was When the monster crawled into her (laughs) vault and was like, hey. (laughs) Again, weird. Why is it
1: the monster saying you're not supposed to be able to see me? Like, again, weird. And again, that's why I think that maybe it's all just metaphorical and happening in her head. Like, all the haunting stuff, all this monster stuff, it's all just happening in her head. I really wonder that. Like, the more I think about it, the more I'm leaning toward that. Because it's just a metaphor for her finally accepting her true dark nature to, like, do all this stuff. That she's been suppressing. Which is then let out when she goes and and kills James, you know?
0: I guess I just hate when writers will do the unreliable narrator kind of thing where it's in their head or not, and things have actually happened from the, quote, thing in their head, such as her bed being moved, things like that. She could have moved her bed.
1: She could have, like trembled it over to it on one side or she could have gotten out of her bed and moved it herself and then got back in. if she has multiple personality oh that's where the multiple personality theory comes in because if you have multiple personalities you're not aware of the other personalities so you could be in one personality move the bed and then snap your fingers and switch yourself into your other personality and be like how did the bed get over here oh my god everything is haunted
0: are we just trying to explain this stuff away too much to make the story sound better than it does?
1: I thought the story sounded pretty good already. And but I think that maybe there's just a lot more to the picture than just monster. Because it's it's so randomly put in at the end with like the supernatural haunting and the monster. So I feel like there's got to be something deeper to it than just, oh, let's put a monster in here. There was a monster inside her mom the whole time haunting the house, and that's what made her dad go crazy. A well, demonic we possession. her mom the whole time. Huh? It was
0: just at the end. It wasn't the whole time. It was just well, at the end. Well, not the whole
1: time, but, like, while, while what's-her-face is there, it's, like, most of the time there.
0: It's weird. How much did the mom know, then, about the monster if it was crawling inside of her? Because it said that it kept going inside of her and taking over bits and bits of her until she was no more so how much did
1: her mom know about all of this who the hell knows i don't know but i don't know. i'm still gonna kind of go in with not a real monster not this a is real why
0: monster. sometimes i hate stories and all of that because i get so mad because I don't feel intelligent enough to get the side psychological (laughs) things that are happening and it makes me frustrated
1: yeah I mean I I, I usually don't like ambiguity and it can piss me off but for some reason I like it here even though I wish more questions had been answered at the end I'm liking it here maybe because it helps justify the monster at the end and that supernatural ending that I feel just came out of left field because if it's just monsters, plain old, good-fashioned, old-fashioned monsters, then it's it's weird, and I'm sticking with, like, a lower rating. But if it's all just, you know, being metaphorical about something else and we're supposed to read more into it, then I think it's kind of fucking brilliant.
0: Okay, so it's because I always like to wrap this up with something around the writing technique and mm-hmm. bring this back around to writers because we lean towards are the writers. writing... We are writers. We lean towards the writing side of this podcast. So ambiguity in general.
1: Mm.
0: I think this is a really good topic to bring up from a writing perspective. How much do you need to give to your readers to allow them to understand things versus how much do you leave hidden in your head and you leave breadcrumbs? You get what I'm asking, kind of? I I don't know. I see in the whole time that we've talked about this book, Mm -hmm. we are going off what we think happened and our own assumptions from what happened, but nothing that Mm -hmm. was actually given – evidence to in the book and we could be completely wrong because she hasn't explained it very well she's kept it stored in her vault in <laughs> her head and just been like here's the thing they'll have to figure it out like where where's the good line for all of this i mean I, clearly you liked it in this book but you just said yourself ambigu- ambiguity isn't always a good choice how much do you need to give your readers versus how much do you hold in for yourself
1: I think it depends on the type of book so like for me the English major in me wants to write a paper on this book and cite examples of where it could be ambiguous and where it could have examples of where... I keep saying where a lot. It could have examples of that supports her being mentally ill and making all this stuff up and having multiple personalities. Again, like the snapping of the fingers. like To me, that's kind of a... Not a red flag, but a little indication that there might be something more than meets the eye there. Um, you know, I've sure. written go ahead
0: should she have actually given the answer at the end of the story though so we could know if we were right or wrong in our assumption or given us something more secure instead of just because it all could be we could be so wrong
1: yeah we could we could be totally wrong and i've had other books that have ended in this way where i'm just like just tell me what's actually happening what is what is the answer and i get very angry when i don't know the answer but for some reason with this one I kinda like it, I don't know. I just kinda like it. It kind of just sits well with me the more I think about it
0: i I don't disagree in the fact that it works for some stories because I would say as a visual example, Mother was yeah, phenomenal. It. oh, it's a great movie, like Is it really gory? good
1: mm, a tiny bit like gory, like just like home, gory,
0: just like home, no. Okay
1: what we're reading like we're there is some, <laughs> i want to say there
0: is some killing but it's not extreme but okay. i will admit that like starting that movie and ambiguity of it, i was just staring at chris going like what the hell i don't get this i don't like this i'm confused mm-hmm. and then when it finally clicked what the movie was about and we could read into it it was like the mo- it was a work of art and amazing mm-hmm. yeah but we had to have that moment where it clicked yeah. And we we're let into the inside. It's it's letting the reader pass through the curtain into in, into the inside joke of the situation. I still think the ambiguity is great, and sometimes it can really work. But there has to be a point where you let your reader through the curtain and give them a wink and be like, "You were right all along."
1: I see your point there, and usually I agree. But sometimes it's kind of like having everything be wrapped up at the end of a story with like a big happy bow. Where everything's just resolved and you have an answer to everything, and I like books sometimes that are more realistic, where the friendships don't turn out and the romance doesn't work out, because that that's life, that's realistic. You don't have a nice, neat ending in real life. So, and also in life, you don't have perfect clarity on things. Some things are ambiguous, and you're just left wondering, and that is kind of what seems to be happening here.
0: I guess, but could there not even have been a perfectly tied bow at the end, but a moment where? She looks back and her mom's back on the bed and dead or some indication that maybe the ghost was in her head, something that we're not they're not exactly spelling out. But the people who are like reading the book and paying attention the whole time will look at that and be like, yes, I knew it kind of situation where we could be let through that curtain, like I said. You know, this is reminding
1: me so much of another book I read that was exactly this kind of thing that I was ticked off about. Where it was, I was waiting for some kind of sign, and there wasn't one. I was so pissed off. But for this one, I'm not. I'm not bothered by it.
0: That's weird. I wish we knew exactly why, so we could give our listeners (laughs) uh, some writing advice. I personally say that you do in all stories in ambiguity. You have to give a little little wink. A little thing at the end to let the the people who are paying attention, kind of like the three levels of foreshadowing, mm. to give them a little wink if that they were paying attention, you will get the point of the story at the end. Not spelling it out, but just something that would have – because I read this book, okay? And I didn't get any of this multiple personality thing or any of this internal <laughs> head day. And so that's what I'm saying. There was nothing yeah. to me when I read it that hinted for me to go mm-hmm. down that path. Because I think if I had thought the way that you did, this book probably would have gotten a higher rating because I would have seen the ingenuity of what she did. But nothing mm-hmm. gave me the knock on the head, which then makes me feel stupid because I'm like, why did I miss this now that you're saying all this? And it's kind of obvious. But still. I could just I be think... talking
1: shit out my ass. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just making stories up.
0: That's what I'm leaning on is in the hope that you're talking <laughs> shit
1: out of your ass.
0: I know you are wrong. But again, that's what I'm trying to say, that I wish there was just that little thing that you could point to and just be like, here's the, the proof, outside of snapping the fingers. or Because again, it was just way too ambiguous. I can't say that word. Am- ambigu- ambiguous. Amb- ambiguous. Ambiguous. It was unclear. It was unclear. There wasn't that moment that I could be like, oh my God, you're right. It was all in her head. Or, all oh, you're right. This, she had multiple personalities. Because I never had a single inclination of that.
1: I really went straight. And for me, some of the best stories have left it very open-ended and open to interpretation. And maybe the English major in me likes that because you can never be wrong if there's no concrete answer hidden in the book because every interpretation is possible. So English majors tend to like that. Um, So maybe that's why I like it in this one.
0: Um, Maybe that is... Okay, I just had a thought. So I don't mind open-ended. But I think what's happening is why you like this book, you don't like the other ones, and why I didn't like it Mm -hmm. is the fact that you understood the wink, you got the wink, but I didn't Mm -hmm. understand the wink, and I wasn't let into the party. And I missed the wink. And so that is why, like, when you're let in on the inside joke and you get the wink, you really don't mind the open ending because your mind is filled with the story in your head of what's Mm -hmm. going on. and But, see, I missed it. So, I mean, it doesn't help that I binge this and, like, I finish it this morning because, like, you know, (laughs) Yeah, mm-hmm. I know, I know.
1: <laughs> well, I read it like like three months ago, and I I've forgotten certain details, but I wrote I took copious notes. I took copious not notes so I could have you're not supposed to discussion. let them know that. It's okay, it's okay. We're we're real and we're honest here. I read I it a while we're ago.
0: Supposed to be reading this as a community. <laughs> well, um, do you have anything else to say on the book, and any other thoughts that we didn't cover?
1: Let me see. I don't think so. I think we, we touched on everything. We touched on all the characters. We touched on my still annoyingly unanswered questions that will remain <laughs> unanswered.
0: I, answer, I feel like I answered most of them except one. Possibly.
1: Where did he hide <laughs> the bodies? What's with the shed? I that's just pointless. I'm going to go to bed tonight wondering what's with the shed. I'm going to look creepily at my shed out my window like what what's going on back there?
0: Because everyone's but, shed is like a pit of crime. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay what about you anything left for you to discuss
0: I'm trying to think because I don't feel like I made my point well enough because you went up in stars I guess just to rephrase I think that in her writing style she tried too hard with the sentence structure and word choices and the way she tried to make everything lyrical and highbrow this book it just didn't work for me and I know that I write very similarly but for some reason it just felt pretentious from her
1: okay okay
0: I know I keep saying her, and I feel really rude doing that because I think they specifically say they and them in their bio. So I apologize for all of that, but the name is Sarah, and that's where my brain automatically went. I'm not trying to be rude about it, so I apologize. It's just when you're in the heat of arguing with your (laughs) co-host, they and them is the last thing on your mind.
1: That, That is true. You just get swept away in the heat of the argument, so yeah.
0: But yeah, I think that I'm good. Do we want to re rate the book, even though I think you've given a spoiler away of your new rating? Four
1: stars, four stars for me. Cause this conversation has actually really more convinced me of like the hidden meaning of the messages. And I think my little English major brain has gone into overdrive and I'm like, this this is what it's about. I have decided that is what it's about. And therefore, four stars. Boom. And I'm just
0: a better. Of- I'm a bitter old woman who missed out on the week, and <laughs> I guess tackling on Goodreads, it's a two-star, but on Storygraph, I can have store this shit, and so it's a 1.5 on Storygraph, and I don't think that's going to change. I'm just annoyed. I am annoyed with this book, and it's going to stay like that.
1: That's okay. I feel your pain. That's how I've been for, like, the last three books, so I get you. I get you.
0: Two of which you picked.
1: I know. I'm going to have to stop picking books soon.
0: Dude, I need a like dark fantasy in here somewhere because this is just way too real life and like, I'm I need I need my a book of mine in there.
1: Okay, you you pick a dark fantasy and I I will read
0: it. I Dude, was sure going... this was
1: gonna be a hit with you. I was positive you were gonna love this one. I'm like this is perfect, and I am just astounded that it got a one point five.
0: I still like I more sailed. books than you, in the this journey. That's true. So, That's but funny. I did go to the horror section at my bookstore on Sunday and I found a bunch of really cool books that I am curious with and I will talk to you offline about one of them. That sounds really good. So oh, I am excited. Yes. But since but. we keep talking about books, let's yes. announce next month, our October book club read. I think it's great. I already grabbed it from the bookstore, which is why it was in the horror section because this <laughs> one was from the horror section. Finally, I feel that we have not done enough horror recently. We have not. Like this. Okay. Just like Home was very horror But I'm talking like from the horror section kind of like horror. But we will be reading Hide by Kristen White. Kirsten? Kristen? No, it's Kirsten, Kirsten I think. Kirsten. Kirsten. Sorry. Let me repeat that. We are reading Hide by Kirsten White, which... I forget what her newer book is called, but I saw it at the bookstore and I was just like, it looks so good.
1: She has so (laughs) many books. I cannot, I cannot keep up with her. I've only ever read one other by her and it was fantastic. And that was years ago. And she's done so many more since then.
0: Is it would it be bad if we make her like one of our top go to? Because I feel that every time we read a Grady Hendrix book, or a new Grady Hendrix book is going to come out, it's going to be on this podcast because we're Grady Hendrix fans.
1: That's not a bad idea to have like repeat authors for yeah. like, are, like top authors, favorite authors. I think that's a good idea.
0: We'll wait for like six or seven months, but then we can read her like newer book. Okay, I think it's, it's, it's like, about, like magic. stalking
1: people again and like killing. I might have to we might have to have a longer a longer break. I need a good old fashioned haunting to like cleanse the palate here of all the serial killings and like murders, no, bloodshed.
0: I don't think so it's more of Oh wait, I just picked the book we're reading now which is about an amusement park that people have to hide like in to make people money off or something. Yes, it's an amusement park where they have make money if they last like the whole night or something. Oh, but God. it's the newer one is Mr. Magic where a former child star Former child stars reunited to uncover the tragedy that ended their show. Good. But anyway, don't get confused, listeners. I am sorry. This next month's book is *Hide* by Kirsten White. And if you'd like to help support fledging otters and you want to buy the book, use our affiliate links in the notes to go to bookshop.org. We will not judge you based on who you pick because both of our links are there. And buy the book through them. It doesn't cost anything extra to you. It just gives us a small percentage back for you know, suggesting it to all of you. And you're also helping local bookstores because you can pick your local bookstore to buy it through. It's not Amazon, people. It is different now. We have a competitor. We have an option. We have an option. And again, that's Hide by Kirsten White. It should be on our bookshelves that we have through bookshop.org. I try to keep mine updated. Yes,
1: it will be up there.
0: Yes, it will be up there when this podcast. Gets by, the, by the time this slides, it will be up there, making
1: a note on a sticky right now.
0: <laughs> and I'm also going to do a poll, so make sure you guys vote on the idea of keep making Kirsten White one of our go-to reads for when, that we will automatically read her if she comes out with a new horror book because she does do like fantasy romance too. That's not yeah. really our thing, so yeah. she does another dark like the dark descent of Elizabeth Frankenstein. Even though it's not technically horror, I think that would have been fine for us to read but as long as she's writing like a darker book and stays in that genre we will make her an automatic author with grady hendrix which sorry guys you're not getting a vote on that he is <laughs> our automatically <laughs> we are super fans i think we've almost read all of his books between us we've read all his books but i think we're both yeah. missing like one or two
1: yeah so. i won't read my best friend's exorcism i think it is it's because... so good but there's a dog death in there there is maybe that's not the one there's one where there's like a dog death and, like, you get really attached to the dog, and then all of a sudden the dog is not there anymore.
0: I read it, and I don't remember being scarred, so.
1: Maybe it's another I don't know.
0: one. Maybe. The only ones I haven't read are Final Girl Support Group and Horror Store. Okay. So. Huh. Well, well. I liked it a lot. It's probably my second favorite.
1: Okay. Maybe. Maybe. I will read it. We'll see.
0: Okay. Well, friends, we hope that you <laughs> love this podcast. Sound off below about your thoughts about the book or any questions you might have had or if you agree with CJ about this being a multiple personality type of story. <laughs> and don't forget, like, we want to build this as a community for everyone to listen to because we want to reply back to all of your responses. And if you like this podcast, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, s- subscribe to us or follow us on your podcast Whatever, however, you're listening to some podcast and help us because it's as good as tipping your waiter. Bye, friends.